Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Well, these guys are excited, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to lead us into the presence of the Lord, you need to be excited. Yeah. Hey, I'm excited about something that is uh, uh, in the process of beginning. And that is that River of Life will be moving. And you're going to hear a lot about this in the days to come. We will be moving, in fact, we're already doing some things right now toward a five-fold ministry, according to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 11. That's not the text. I just wanted to share that with you before we get started. And in that text, it says, and God gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers, listen, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. In other words, God gives these skill sets and then that ministry goes forth to the church and then the church becomes equipped to do the work of the ministry. And it even says in that passage, it says, until we all come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, we should be growing up in the Lord. I encourage you to spend some time in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Uh, be reading up on it in the months to come. You're going to hear a lot about the fivefold ministry. And just in case you've ever been in a fivefold ministry church and it was weird, wacky, and crazy and you didn't like it, that's not where we're going. I'm saying we're going to stay with the model and the pattern of scriptures. We will follow the guidelines of Scripture, but it's going to be good. We don't need to fear, have fear in our hearts to do something because somebody else has done it the wrong way. We need to do what God's Word says. And so, uh, man, get ready. Uh, The rest of this year and next year is going to be absolutely awesome. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, it's time for great exploits. It's time for great exploits. Now that's a strange title, but I want to take you back to the book of Daniel to start with. And we'll begin in Daniel the 11th chapter, uh, verse 31, Daniel 11, 31 and 32. And this is what it says. It says, and forces shall be mustered by him. Now we'll talk about who this is in just a moment. Forces shall be mustered by him. He's going to create an army. And they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices. And place there the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant he shall corrupt with flattery. Let me just stop right there just for a moment. The Bible is talking about a wicked man. And this wicked man is going to have an army. And he's going to defile the sanctuary. He's going to interrupt 
worship. Uh, those who are worshiping the Lord their God. And then he's going to give favor, flattery, to those who turn against God. I want you to know there's a lot of flattery going on in the world right now uh, and drawing people away. But here's where I uh, got the title. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Oh, wow. Now, I love this. And I believe this is a prophecy for our day. Now, let me quickly tell you this. If you read your commentaries and you do research on this, you'll find out that there are many who believe that this was a prophecy that was fulfilled even before Christ arrived on the scene. There was a guy by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. He was a Greek Hellenistic king. And he was a bad, bad dude. He came into Jerusalem. He, he did just about everything we read in this text. He desecrated the temple. Um, he uh, polluted the temple of God and created an abomination. He killed thousands of Jews. He interrupted worship. And he rewarded the people who turned against God. Uh, by the way... His name is Antiochus Epiphanes. But his name was Antiochus, but he added the Epiphanes to his name. Do you know why? Because the word Epiphanes means God manifested. He changed his name. I am Epiphanes. God manifested. This is a bad, bad guy. And... I'm not saying that some of this did not point to him, but I have reason to believe that if he was a form of Antichrist, he was the lesser, and that there's a greater coming. And let me share this with you. We'll, we'll stay right in the context. That was the 11th chapter. By the time you get to the 12th chapter, Daniel 12, 4, this is what it says. It says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal, and this is the prophecy he's been giving, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Now, what in the world does that have to do with Daniel shutting up the book? God is saying that this prophecy is for a time, not now, but in the end, when people will run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. People run in. Have you ever been out on the highway? My wife has done this a few times, and we will be driving somewhere, and I mean the traffic. And she said it to me, and I've said it to her. I wonder where all these people are going. They're probably saying the same thing about us. Where in the world are all these people going? And then I did some research. Did you know that at any one given moment, there's about 500,000 people who are airborne in planes? Some 10,000 flights are in the air. And, and according to some reliable uh, 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 news sources, there are times when it peaks and there's a million people in the air at one time. Where are they going? 
to and fro. You see, this prophecy is here. It is here. And then, and, and then notice this. Um, it, it says, they shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Did you know up until the 1900s, uh, knowledge doubled? The volume of knowledge doubled about once every 100 years? By the middle of the 1900s, knowledge was doubling every 25 years. And, and thanks to all the technology... Uh, we're told today that the volume of knowledge is doubling. This is staggering. Every 12 hours. Every 12 hours. I, I got to tell you, this, this is our day. Uh, uh, I don't know what all Antiochus uh, Epiphanes did, but I can tell you that Antiochus did not fulfill this prophecy. No, there's a madman coming. There's an evil one coming. He may already be on the scene. But I can tell you, this prophecy is for a day. Let me just give you one more to back this up. Daniel 12, 8 and 9. Daniel said, although I heard, I did not understand. See, Daniel received this prophecy thousands of years ago. And he said, I got it, but I didn't understand it. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel. For the words are closed up and sealed till the end, to the time of the end. Now, so let's go back to our original text, verse 32. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. It's time for great exploits among the people of God. It's time, it's time for us to do something. I want to tell you, if there's ever been a time for the, the people of God to wake up. <laughs> I didn't know they were going to sing that song. If there's ever been a time for the people of God to get up, get up, get up out of these self-made graves and do something for the glory of God. Listen, we should be turning this county upside down for the glory of God. It's time for great exploits. It's not time for whining and complaining and just barely getting by. It's time for us to be involved in an end time movement that will glorify the Lord our God. Now, I'm just going to throw this in because I hope you'll go back and read the 11th chapter. But it says some will be killed during the time they're doing it. But that's beside the point, isn't it? That's beside the point. We should be doing great exploits. Now, let me explain to you. Doing great exploits is not holding on to your faith. It's doing something with your faith. Doing great exploits means that your faith is a weapon. A, a, a weapon to get something done. A weapon to take down strongholds. A weapon to advance the kingdom of God. The gates of hell will not prevail uh, against us. Now... Your sword is not just to defend yourself and your family. This sword of faith is to advance the kingdom of God. And, and I, can, I can tell you, friends, that if, if you want to do great exploits, you, you, it's more than being a believer. It's becoming a mover and a shaker for the wonderful glory of our God. I tell you, as I have prepared this message, my thought is, what in the world could river of life do if we were to just simply wake up 
and realize that this is written in prophecy. This is our day. It's not time to hold on to the end. It's time to let our light shine before the world and do something amazing. Do something for the glory of God. Now, doing great exploits means that you have the ability, you have the power, you have the authority to do something. And I've got a news flash for you this morning. Here it is. You're not going to believe this until the Holy Spirit seals it in your heart. But I'm going to share something with you that's the truth nonetheless, and I hope that the Holy Spirit will confirm it in your heart very quickly. But greatness resides in you. Greatness. Wow. Young people, you sit over there with some old folks. I see some old folks over there too. I'm telling you, greatness resides in you. Awesome, amazing, miraculous greatness. Moms and dads and and grandmothers and grandfathers and adults, I want you to know greatness resides in you. And and senior citizens, I guess I should say senior saints, greatness resides in you. Oh, friends, greatness. You, You have... You have unbelievable greatness residing in you. You have something wonderful, something magnificent. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, amazing exploits are in you. They may not have come to the surface yet, but they are in you. They are in you. You are great on the inside. Maybe it hasn't gotten out yet. You are great. I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking he's been listening to Joel Osteen. (laughs) But on the contrary, I've been reading God's word. And God's word says, he that is in you is greater than he that's in the world. And that means anything you can see in this world. I don't care how powerful, strong, mighty it is. There's something greater in you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have greatness in you. I have greatness in me. The staff and the board and the leaders of this church. We have greatness within us. It is time for small thinking to be put aside. And for us to believe God for great exploits in this house. It is time. It is time to wake up. It's time to do more than we ever dreamed possible. Years ago, we had a dream. And our dream was that we would leave where we were 10 miles from here and that we would relocate in the center of the county and have an interdenominational, interracial, spirit-filled church in the geographical center of Wakala County. We had a dream and we came this way and we are living that dream right now. But I want to tell you, friends, yeah, yes. But that dream pales in comparison to what God's about to do in this church. And what he's about to do in the world. Because I got to tell you. And in my heart I feel like we will embrace this and go with this. But I'm going to tell you. God's going to have people all over the world. In these last days that are going to do great exploits. They're going to be strong. And they're going to do great things 
for the glory of God. Isn't it time we start believing individually and collectively? Isn't it time we start believing what God's word says? I could give you a dozen scriptures, but I don't need to give you more than this one. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You can do all things. Let me tell you, if the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, you can do it whether you think you can do it or not. If the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, you can do it whether you think you have the talent, skill set. It doesn't matter because with Him in you, the greater one is in you. You are capable of doing things that you can't even imagine. Time to wake up, isn't it? Years ago, I heard Dr. Bailey Smith, the great evangelist. And Dr. Bailey Smith... Uh, made a couple of statements. I never forgot these. I hope you won't either. He said the first step in killing a giant is you have to fight one. Let me tell you, if we stop for just a moment and really got honest, some of you out here, you got giants in your life. And those giants are standing between you and doing great exploits for the glory of God. Those giants always get in the way. You get right with God and three weeks or four weeks or a month or two later, the giants show back up. They just keep showing back up. And then you go through this vicious cycle. And, and you, maybe you get rid of the alcohol or, or the pornography or the, or the drugs or the anger or, or the depression for a little while. But then that giant comes back. I, isn't it time? I'm just asking you. Isn't it time to kill some giants? Isn't it time to declare war against those things that are keeping you from walking in the power and the ability of the Holy Spirit? Isn't it time? I also heard Dr. Bailey Smith say this. He said, you'll never know what God can do until you attempt something you can't do. Oh, I tell you, I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit's going to take my words today and stir somebody up. And he's going to ask you to do something you can't do. Do you know why he's going to ask you to do something you can't do? Because he wants to show you that he can do what you can't do. And he can do it through you. He can do it through you. So I'm asking you this morning, do you want to just keep coming to church for the rest of your life? It's good, isn't it? Singing's good, right? Preaching's tolerable. (laughs) Is that what you want to do? Do you want to keep coming to church for the rest of your life until you check out? Or do you want to become the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm talking about getting out of the stands. Quit being a spectator. Get involved and step out on faith and trust God to do something in your life. Because I'm telling you. I'm telling you, friends, God's got to work for you. He's got a ministry for you. He, he, he put his greatness in you so that you could fulfill it. Uh, Ephesians says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You have greatness in you, and that greatness will make it available for you to do good works for the glory of God. Oh, friends, oh, let's kill some giants. Let's get on the playing field. Let's let's do what God's called us to do. Now, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to actually tell you how to do it. And so here's here's the first thing. Make sure you're saved. I, I tell you, if there's anything 
that causes me to tremble is when I think about being a pastor uh, all these years and people sitting under my ministry and, and they just, they, they miss heaven because they've been deceived sometimes by others and sometimes by themselves. Do you absolutely know for sure that you're saved and that you're right with God? And, and, and I, I just want you to take inventory. You, you've got to know that you're saved. It is so very uh, important. Uh, l- let me just ask you a question. And I know this is a little bit ridiculous, but I think it'll get the point across. What if you were to uh, walk down the aisle this morning and said, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. And I, I said, okay, and I pray for you. And, and I lay my hands on you. And then I look at you when I say amen and I say, you listen to me. You listen to me. I just got a word from God. You are a doctor. You're not just a doctor. You're a surgeon. You're not just a surgeon. You're, you're a great surgeon. And then somebody else walks down the aisle and I lay my hands and I said, I pray for them. I say, you're a lawyer. You're a great lawyer. You're a powerful lawyer. Now, the, here's the question I want to ask you. In the morning, would you get up and go rent an office somewhere and put a sign out there and say, ready to practice law? Or this is the doctor's office. And Would you do that? Or would you leave here thinking, my, my pastor's, my pastor's kind of tilting a little bit. So he's, he's, he's missing it. If I told you you were a doctor, you'd laugh at me. If I told you you were a lawyer, you would laugh at me. If I told you you were anything that you're not, you would laugh at me. So why in the world would you believe somebody who tells you you're a Christian? How do you know you're a Christian? Well, I walked down the aisle. I prayed the prayer the pastor told me. After I prayed it, the pastor told me I was saved. Really? If that's the basis of your understanding of salvation, friends, you don't understand salvation at all. So let me ask you a question. How do you know you're married? Don't, guys, don't. (laughs) I should not have paused right there. Yeah. How do you know you're married? How do you know you have children? How do you know you have friends? How do you know you have a neighbor? How do you know anybody? How do you know that you know anybody? Relationship, relationship, relationship. Friends, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, there is absolutely no way that you can know that you are saved. I don't care if you've been baptized. I don't care if I or another pastor in this church conferred it upon you. Don't ever believe anybody who tells you you're saved unless it's the Holy Spirit. Saying you're now a child of God. And I got news for you. When the Holy Spirit says it, nobody else have to tell you. That, that's just pretty, pretty clear right now. Now, notice back at our text, it says, but the people who know their God, know their God. God, but the people who know their God shall be strong. If you want to be strong and do great exploits, the first thing you have to do is know your 
God. All right, save. And then how about this one? Just get right with God. Get right with God. I, through the years, and I think this church is an exception, but we still have people in this church. But through the years, I have seen multitudes of people that stay in this vicious circle of getting right with God and falling away and getting right with God and falling away. They stay in a cycle that keeps them from ever doing what God has in mind for them to do. So I want to give you four things. If you write anything down today, these would be good, or at least mark this message so you can come back to it. How do you know you're right with the Lord? Well, here's here's a way to make sure. First of all, we'll pull them up on the word. Get all the known sin out of your life. Get all the doubt out of your life. Start practicing immediate obedience and start living in the joy of the Lord. That's real simple. I've had this outline for years and I've, I've come back to it over and over and over again. And I'll be honest with you, I've failed many, many times and I regret that. But I'm telling you, you do these four things and I'll tell you that you can know that you're not just saved. You're right with God and you're walking with God. Let me go over it real quick. Get rid of all known sin. Did you know that the Bible says that through the blood of Jesus, he washes our sins away? But did you know that the same Bible that says that says cleanse your hands uh, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded, sanctify yourself, uh, get you a new heart. The Bible tells us that once we get saved, we need to get busy with the work of getting all known sin out of our lives. How about this? Get rid of all doubt. Get rid of all doubt. This may sound strange to you, but did you know that the Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is sin? And it also says, whosoever doubteth is damned. That's some strong language. And believe it or not, it's talking about something as mundane as eating food. But the point is this. And that is, we as Christians need to get all the known sin out of our lives. And we need to get all the doubt out of our lives. And we need to make sure we're walking in faith. Years ago, I... I've, I was listening to two men carrying a conversation. And one of them had a cigarette. In his mouth. And the other one said. You need to get rid of that cigarette. And he took that cigarette out of his mouth. And he said. When God convicts me. Of smoking this cigarette. I'll put him down. And the guy that was talking to him. Was so wise. And in tune with the Holy Spirit. He said. Well you got it all backward. He said. That's not the way it works. You don't do something. Until God convicts you. That it's wrong. He says. You don't do it. Until God convinces you. That it's right. And if God hasn't convinced you it's right, then you shouldn't do it. So get rid of all known sin, get rid of all doubt, and then immediate obedience. Jesus said, my sheep know me and they hear my voice. They follow me. You obey the Lord. And then this one, start living in the joy of the Lord. Not because the world is a joyful place. Not because everything's fine in your life. But because the word of God tells us to start living in the joy of the Lord. Here's a couple of scriptures. Nehemiah 8.10. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy is not something that comes afterward. It comes before. It is your strength. Proverbs 17.22 says. A merry heart does good like a medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. Do you understand? Drying bones is synonymous with death. 
So if you have a broken, depressed, discouraged spirit, you are dying. And you will keep dying. And you will ultimately die. Let, let, me, let me straighten something out for you. And I've really felt like as I was preparing this, that this was for somebody especially. Somebody just needs to hear this. And that is, winning victories does not lead to joy. Joy leads to winning victories. One more time. One more time. It's, it's not winning this victory and this victory. And some of, some of you may think, boy, if I could accomplish this and I could accomplish this, I'd have joy and I'd have victory. No, friends. That's not the way it works. When you step into the joy of the Lord, that's what leads to victory and triumph. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You can spend your lifetime getting depressed and discouraged about everything you know about this world. Or you can let everything you know about the glory of God bring joy into your heart. Excitement into your heart. Wow. Wow. I got a word for somebody here today. Listen up. And that is your whole life. The devil's been telling you you're not good enough. Your whole life, the devil's been telling you you're not smart enough. Your whole life, the devil's been telling you you can't do it. Others can, but you can't. You don't have the ability. He's lying to you. And that's an amazing thing because he's lied to me before and I've believed it. So, so don't feel too bad about this. But that's an amazing thing. The devil will speak to you and tell you something that's directly contrary to the word of God. And we will believe the devil rather than read God's word and believe it. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? God have mercy on us. Listen to me. If you are a child of God, I've got some news for you. You are more than good enough. You are more than capable. You are more than qualified. You are more than a conqueror through him that loved you and gave himself for you. Do you get it? You don't listen to the devil anymore. Somebody, somebody needs to hear that. Now listen, when you know you're saved and you know you're right with the Lord, then you are ready for ministry. Uh, the Bible says be ready. Here's, here's what the Bible tells us. It says, be ready to give an answer to every person and share with them the hope that's in you. Every, every person? The waitress, the person who's checking you out, the person in the next cubicle, every person. Be ready to tell every person, tell everybody you meet. You say, Pastor, wouldn't that be radical? Absolutely. But it'll change the world. It'll change you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Years ago, Pastor Coburn and I have talked about this. There was a church in the state of Florida and the pastor came up with this idea. He, he just came up with this little program. And here was the program. He said, I want everybody in this church. I want everybody in this church to get your testimony ready. He said it can be 15 seconds. It can be 30 seconds. But you're ready to tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. Man, Jesus saved me, turned my life around. Um, he, he took away my sadness and sorrow, gave me victory. There, I did it, less than 30 seconds. Get your testimony ready. Just something real, not heavy. Get your testimony ready. And then when you leave here, he sent them all out. And he said, starting today, 
you're going to, everybody you see, you're going to say, can I share something with you? Some will say no, most will say yes. And then you're going to say, you know, I met Jesus and, and he changed my life and I, I was struggling, but boy, I'm free. I'm telling you, there's freedom in Jesus. And he said, and then as soon as you do that, he said, then say, would you come to my church? Because you can find the same freedom in my church. And just go tell everybody. Just go tell everybody. One of the members of the church pulled up at the cleaners. And it was a drive through And he pulls up at the cleaners. And the lady hands him his clothes. He said, uh, do you mind if I share something with you? And she said to him, no, no, I don't mind. But I already know what you're going to say. He said, what am I going to say? You're going to tell me about what Jesus has done for you. And then you're going to invite me to go to church with you. He said, now, how in the world? How in the world would you know that? And she said, because I've already had seven people who have come through this line that have done the same thing. They went all over that city. Listen to me. By the end of the year, that church baptized over a thousand people. Just because the saints quit being intimidated and they started going out and ministering in the name of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Do you know that the word exploit means to take full advantage? It can be used negatively or positively. Boy, they exploited me. They took full advantage of me. But it can also mean, I tell people who join this church when they come in, I said, we're going to exploit you. We're going to take advantage of all the talent and all the ability you have. We're going to put you to work. We're going to use you. We believe God sent you uh, to us. And, and so... Uh, how do we take full advantage today? Man, we've got resources today nobody's ever had before. We, we've got artificial intelligence. We, we've got Facebook. We've got YouTube. Um, we've got TikTok. We've got Instagram. We got it. Why are we using the tools? The devil's using it, isn't he? The devil's getting to our children. And I'm talking about our small children. He's exploiting the internet. Why don't we exploit the internet? Why don't we learn our testimonies? Why don't we realize that it was foreordained and prophesied thousands of years ago that in these last days when people are running to and fro and knowledge has increased that the people who really know their God will do great exploits. And why don't we get involved? By the way, I don't have my phone on me. Give it to me. I'm about to hurt somebody's feelings. Oh. 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 What in the world has happened to us? The devil has got us so infatuated with ourselves that we go around taking selfies all day long. 
And then we put it on the internet. And I got a news flash for you. All those pictures you're putting on the internet of yourself, please stop it. You're not that good looking. And you may not believe this because your eyes are so blind, but the devil is using you, making a fool out of you, and people are laughing at you for some of the stuff you put on the internet. You're not witnessing for the glory of God. You're bogged down in the muck and mire of a sinful world. I didn't see that coming. (laughs) I saw the Lord, folks. Get your face off Facebook, if you please. Get, do that. Listen, I, I take that back. Put your face on there. But put your face on there and say, I once was a sinner. I was lost and hopeless and discouraged. But Jesus, record your testimony. And then after you record your testimony, say, will you come to church with me? And tell them where your church is. Or encourage them to get involved in a church somewhere. One, one last thing. Pull up that last scripture I gave. This is one of the saddest verses. One more. Keep going. I think. Keep, keep going. Oh. If this isn't sad. Jesus. Come. We had it right. Let's go back to the scripture. Look at this. These are the words of Jesus. He was approaching Jerusalem. And he's looking over Jerusalem. And he's sad. And and he says, for the days will come upon you. When your enemies will build an embankment around you. Surround you and close you in on every side. And level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Why? Read it with me. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus Christ showed up. And they didn't know the time of their visitation. And friends, you can interpret that any way you want to, but I'm going to give you an interpretation. When you miss the time of your visitation, bad things happen. When you miss the time of your visitation, the enemy wins. When you miss the time of your visitation, I'm asking you, is it time for you to get saved? Is it time for you to rededicate your life? Is it time for you to wake up? I got a word. I got, I'm sorry. See, I told you, this is the problem with going three or four weeks without preaching. <laughs> I want to talk to the senior citizens here just for a moment. Listen, next month I'll turn 72 years old. I'm a senior citizen. Yeah. Here's what I want to say to the senior saints here. It is time for the senior saints to wake up and do something for the glory of God. Let me tell you, these young people, as beautiful as they are, and as much as they've got going for them, they are not equipped and skilled like you are. You've been through the school of hard knocks. You've learned more than some of them will ever know. 
Uh, you've had the ups and downs. You know something that none of these young people know, and I'll tell you what it is, and nothing in this world will ever really satisfy you. you, you you've been prepared your whole life to serve the Lord. And, and I'm just asking, if you're a senior citizen, isn't it time to go to work? Isn't it time to do something? Have you ever thought about this? Moses and Aaron were in their 80s when God sent them to Egypt to lead the children of Israel out. Aaron was 85 years old when he took the high ground where the giants lived. I mean, think about that. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran and followed the voice of the Lord. And John was between 80 and 90 years old when he wrote the book of Revelation. Why didn't God pick young people to do that? Oh, their day's coming. But he picked those who had walked with God. I want to tell you something. If you're, between, if you're in the 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even 90s, I dare you to go home and say, God, God, what do you got for me? Uh, listen, reality is, reality is there's a lot of us in here that should be dead right now and gone. But God healed us. God kept us alive. God brought strength. You got me? And he didn't do that so we could just keep playing pickleball. He didn't. Or play golf. Or just do what we want to do. There's nothing wrong with that. I love pickleball and I love competition and I love doing that. But that cannot be the reason for God's sustaining grace on my life or yours. He sustains you so you do something. I want to tell you, senior saints, you wake up and start doing something. You get involved in this church. Don't sit back and wait for somebody else to do it. You go out there and start a ministry. You get your face out there telling the story of Jesus. And these young people will fall and revival will break out. Oh, friends, I'm begging you, don't miss the time of your visitation. Would you bow with me in prayer? Oh, Father, I pray right now that you'll bless. That you'll speak to our hearts, Lord. That there will be a divine stirring deep within our spirits. That we will realize that the time is now. Daniel sealed it up a long time ago, but it's time for it to be unsealed. People are running to and fro. Knowledge is increasing. This is the time of the end. And it's time for your people to do great exploits. Father, would you bless us? If there's somebody here who needs salvation, Lord, no more procrastination. If there's somebody here who's got giants uh, and they just can't seem to move forward because of the giants, all-out war to kill the giants. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we know we can't do it on our own. Father, would you, would you stir up some senior saints here today to realize... Uh, God's not done with me yet. There's more to come. And I've got a work to do. And to stir us up. Come Holy Spirit. Move on this house. May souls be saved and lives be changed. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today. Or if you need someone to pray with. Please contact us at 
1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.